This week on Next in Marketing, I spoke to Ross Martin, president of Gnome. Ross was a longtime executive at Viacom until a few years ago when he launched his own consulting business. By early 2020, that company became Known, a full-on marketing services company that is challenging the traditional agency model. Ross and I talked about why he did that, why he thinks the relationship between brands and consumers right now is totally busted, and where he thinks the next round of media mergers are going to end up. Let's get started. Everything we know about the media, marketing, and advertising business is being completely upended thanks to technology and data. We're talking with some of the top industry leaders as they steer their companies through constant change. Welcome to Next in Marketing, presented by AppsFlyer. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Next in Marketing. My guest this week is Ross Martin. He's the president of Known. Hey, Ross. Thanks for being here. Mike, this is my honor. Thanks for having me. No, my the, the honor is all mine. Ross, we've known each other for several years. I met you, you were, you were at Viacom. You had a really big, inter- interesting job there. And I remember at the time, I don't know if I'm saying anything, anything out of school, you always said, I'm going to do something on my own someday. And eventually that happened. But I would uh, maybe love to tell you, if you tell people, tell the story of how that happened. Did it, I, I don't think the plan you had then is, is where you are now necessarily, but I'd love to tell the story of your, your leaving Viacom to Blackbird to known if you would. Wow. Okay. That's a good one to start with. Um, heavy. <laughs> that's, that's like pretty heavy, man. Uh, well, the fact is like, I have no idea what the hell I want to do. Like w- when I grow up. So I, I am a big believer in instinct and intuition. Um, and I, I think that like y- you find yourself in the midst of a body of work and you don't always know like where the beginning and the middle and the end are, but, but, but when you do, um, and I certainly did at Viacom, you got to listen to yourself. And and that, that's where I was at. You know, it was a really great inflection point. Um, we had had um, very publicly, very difficult few years um, at Viacom. And my job was to try to protect and defend the brand of Viacom, all of the brand, all of the media brands in our portfolio. This is and what, the, 17-ish? To the, yeah, to the, even, even earlier, 16, yeah. 17. And like, and to try to do it in an environment where like you're waking up every day and somebody's writing your obituary. Right. Right. And like you had an aging business model, um, a CEO and COO on their way out. And um, and luckily, you know, and I feel grateful that the board gave me this opportunity to be part of the 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 team recommending who the new CEO would be. And um, they chose Bob Backish. He was definitely the right choice, um, certainly at the time. And it sort of created an opportunity for me to, to like go like, okay, well, I've done a lot here. I was, I've been there for 13 years, full bar mitzvah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, I had some big life changes. I, I lost, uh, my father, um, my mentor had left the company at Viacom and, um, two investors on the outside came to me and said, Hey man, what are you doing? Like, we, we believe you should be running your own business, like get out and let's go. And that was a tough thing to like to do because, you know, you're filled with so much fear of leaving the comfort of what you've known for that long. Sure. And I'm sure there were, you could have, could have taken another marketing, big senior job at another media company and think, sure. or made those kind of jumps. Sure. And, and so you're getting to like why I even named the company that I started Blackbird. I, I started it the day that I, well, you know, the day I left, I like walked across the street to my new office right. um, in Bryant Park and I opened up Blackbird and I, I it was a, a, a dream to be able to do, you know, something where you're starting from nothing. You're starting from zero. 
I, I took one person with me from Viacom. That's it. There were 250 people reporting to me. And um, I named it Blackbird because there are three things in life I fear. Um, prison. Right. Um, my second fear is squirrels. Like I'm right. afraid of squirrels attacking me and my wife knows how to make sounds that cause them to attack me. And then the third thing is I'm afraid of birds flying into me. So, so one time I was walking across Canal Street and a bird flew into me and it was a blackbird. And it, it hit me in the neck and it spazzed out and it lost its mind. And I have a meltdown. And like, so I wanted to name the company like something I was afraid of to acknowledge the fact that like I wasn't going to wait for the next blackbird to hit me. I was going to go hit the blackbird. So I, I called it Blackbird and that was an, it was a brand strategy and business innovation agency and it was a small studio and that's what I launched when I left Icon. So what was, okay. So there, there's obviously the motivation that you want to run your own thing and take this better yourself and all that. But what was the, was there an insight that, oh, the, the industry is missing X and I want to try and go after it? I, yes. I felt um, very strongly that all of a sudden, like, and it really did feel like it happened quickly brands and businesses were being asked to answer existential questions about who they are, what they stand for and what they stand against. And the, these are questions that most CMOs and CEOs and boards were like completely unprepared to make. And I'll give you an example. If you're a soap company or a rental car business, why do you have to have a position on gun safety? Right. But You've, so, our yeah. soap is good or it's better than this guy's and that's yeah. what we're trying to promote it, and that's what we worry about in life for the most part. Yeah. So, so suddenly you had to and, and like you couldn't hide. Right. Like there was no way you could just sort of sit under your desk and pretend this wasn't happening right. because not only were consumers asking you these tough questions about who you are and what you believe in, but your investors were asking the same questions. Right. Larry Fink was publishing his annual letter at BlackRock, which was demanding answers to these questions otherwise you don't get their money and right. then and then the greatest force for change in business employees themselves began asking that question right so you have this happening at facebook you have it happening at google some of the biggest companies in the world all of a sudden have to answer really impossible questions and i got psyched about that i was like yeah i want to help that and it's really hard um, but we were able to create a methodology for belief systems and the idea for belief systems, the, the, even, even the name belief systems really came from a, another marketer that I really admire, Seth Farbman, who um, had just finished his stint at um, Spotify. Okay. And he, he, he sort of said to me back when I was at Viacom, he's like, you know, the thing about Viacom is it's got all these powerful operating systems all over the world. And you're really good at bragging about it. But Ross, you don't have a belief system at Viacom that sits behind all of these operating systems that makes it make sense that all these brands are in this portfolio, that makes people understand what Viacom stands for and stands for and stands against. And I, I never forgot that. And um, it, it's, it's one of the main reasons I wanted to start Blackbird, because I felt like I could help brands answer those existential questions by engineering their belief systems. Um, and it, would, it, it turned out to be like a really, really fun thing to do. But it, it, you're talking about a couple of years ago because the story progresses really fast here where you are, yeah. 
you're Blackboard, you, you, you definitely seem to hit on this need. It's probably not being answered by the traditional agency system. Right. Um, but then take me, take me from there to known. Yeah. So we did this kind of work for IMAX. We did it for City. We did it for Pepsi. We did it for some like really big brands. And then also we did it for some challenger brands. Like the whole idea was we don't want to work with anybody in the middle, right? We want to work mm -hmm. with brands that are number one or two in their category. And we want to work with brands that are trying to destroy them. Right. So that are the, the challengers, right? And that, that was super fun. Um, and it went really fast. So, you know, we went from me and Jillian Dooley, the only person I took from Viacom, right. to all of a sudden 12 people very quickly um, and hitting, and I don't, I'm not afraid to, to share the numbers because I'm psyched about it. Like in year two, we were on track to hit 6 million in revenue. And that's dope. You know, so, yeah, for a 12 person startup and you're so uh, clearly the, the need you, you bet on was there and real and people yeah. Were responding. Yeah. And, and like, I'll just tell you one more thing about that. Like one of our clients was an architecture firm. And what I learned from the chief architect at the firm was the concept of no neutral, meaning like when I build a building, it's either taking away from the planet or adding to it. There's no middle ground. Like, so like the idea of like carbon neutrality, like mm -hmm. all that stuff, like it's kind of bullshit. And if you apply that kind of thinking to brands, then you, or businesses themselves, then you start to get to a really like interesting place where you say like, my brand is either adding value to this ecosystem or it's taking it away. And I'm either on this side of the issue or I'm on that, but I can't be in the middle. And so that's the kind of work that we were doing, right? And it started growing really fast because people had these questions and, you know, for whatever reason, they trusted me to help them answer. And my team was great. Um, but OK, so what? Like you've just given me a belief system and helped me, you know, program that into the operating right. system. Right. That, that sounds like it could be just a, a one and done project kind Correct. of thing. And we're Correct. Correct. You nailed it. So, so then you're like, OK, good. Like I'm going to do the next one. Right. So what are right. you supposed to do? Like. 30 of them a year, I guess. And I felt like, to be honest with you, Mike, I could have done that for the rest of my life because it's fun and I loved it and I love my people. But um, what was happening on the left and right was even more interesting, was here you had the two investors in, I mean, in, in Blackbird, my company. You mm -hmm. had two investors. One of them was a data science and engineering and research company called Shearson Associates. Right. The other was a creative agency called Stunt. And what kept happening was like all of my clients at Blackbird were saying like, do you know a good um, creative agency that can go do all the stuff you just right. told us we should go do? I'm like, actually I do. Um, and so Blackbird was working really closely with Stun. And the same was said about like, you know, the same could be said about the work that Blackbird was doing with Shearson on bringing data science, um, and better research and segmentation. Especially if you're asking big questions, you need that stuff. Well, like correct, correct. And so these things were just naturally, very organically happening in 2019. Right. And it became really clear that these companies were, were working very well together, all successful, all profitable. And we all started attracting attention from you know companies that wanted to acquire us or invest in us. And so, you know, we all turned a lot of those down because, and we can get to this later, like there's a lot of companies I don't want to work for. There's a lot of companies you don't want to get bought by, right? Because that just seems like death. But um, what did happen was Shearson, the data science research and engineering company, which was the biggest of the three, 
um, attracted incredible private equity opportunities and took one of them, um, which allowed us to unify these three businesses, remove any of the structural impediments to working together. And that's how we became known as known. And we launched known on February 5th, 2020. I want to get back to that very interesting timing in a second. Um, but I think automatically people at that time, especially, and I would have probably written this if I was a reporter at the time, they're going to see this as like, oh, I, I know what's going on. There's a bunch of new things coming along that are the anti-holding companies in the advertising world. You know, uh, Sir Martin Sorrell's got his S4 and there's um, Stagwell. And there's a few other ones that are sort of like coming in. Like we're going to have a new, a new version of the holding company. It's going to be better. So are, are you trying to do, to do that? Why are you not trying to do that? What do you think of that movement? Like where does this fit in? Is known an agency? What are, what are you, a holding company? I think if we were to try to look at what's happening in this industry and you do this in every episode. So like, that's why I want to come on your show. Cause I think you're hitting it is like, you've, you've basically got three big buckets in this industry today. You've got bucket a, which is, and I'm not, there's no value judgment here yet, mm -hmm. but bucket a, which is where all the big holding companies are sitting. Right. And you have to ask yourself, what are they holding? Right. <laughs> um, we can get to that later. Um, bucket B would be the, the big consultancies, Accenture, Deloitte, who see the problems in bucket A um, and saw an opportunity years ago and then decided to go for it. And they've taken roughly 25% of the business already away from those holding What companies. was traditionally agency money. Correct. And they've done it organically and inorganically by buying companies like buying data science companies, um, buying uh, Droga 5, like cool, that they're in the game and you got to take them seriously. And then you got bucket C, which is the Wild West, and you named some of the players in it. And those are all the emerging, you know, firms who believe there's a better way. Right. And I prefer not to think of known as like being born out of opposition to anything. Um, but we did certainly see an opportunity not to be like five or cent, five or ten percent better than you know WPP, but to represent um, a new breed of agency. Well, the fact the fact you're not replicating that the foundational pieces of your company are different than a beholding company by nature. Cause you well, very, very true. And I'll tell you two things about that in terms of the way we think of ourselves. One is that, um, we like, it's really popular. In fact, you can't actually talk about your agency with, unless you start talking about data science. So right. people just throw that word around all yep. the time. And like, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors around that. But like we're an evidence-based marketing firm. Like we are like built on test and learn and experimentation. The scientific method is pulled through every single thing we do. And it's the foundation of our company. So we are built on science. And, and I just don't know any other firms that we compete with that actually can say that and do it. And the other is we are by definition a full service agency. And what I mean by that is, as you know, over the last 20, 30 years, all of the marketing and advertising capabilities that were once unified, yes, have been pulled right. apart. And right. it's almost like this tectonic shift where like, you know, the planet was one continent, and then all of a sudden they started breaking apart. And right. you know who loses? The client loses when fidelity is lost between them. And, and that's, that's actually just like a disaster for our industry. And so known represents a moment of Pangea 
where all of those continents of capabilities are reunited. They never should have been separated to begin with. And they're united and aligned um, in service of a client's business objectives, not in service of a quarterly earnings report for Wall Street. Okay, so you have this you have this one big life bet and then another one's coming along. You decide to launch this huge new venture in February of 2020. Um, what happened? Like that had to be terrifying that you're, you're building this thing, you're, you're ready to take off, you're hiring, and then the world changes radically the next month. What, had, what was that like trying to do this on the fly with sending people home and having I mean, to figure out where the, where the world's going and businesses are pausing? Like what happens? I think it was a true test. Um, it was a test of us as leaders. It was a test of all of our people. Um, and, and it was really like an opportunity to really see what you're made of, right? And um, people talk about leading with empathy. Like you, if you don't lead with empathy, empathy in a pandemic, you just shouldn't even be here, right? They should just right. go home. And like, so um, when we started um, and when we combined the company, we were a little less than 200 people. Okay. Today, a year and two months later, we are double that. We are 400 people. That's we've why. Added, we've all added uh, almost three dozen clients since then to the roster we already had. Um, so it's working, not necessarily just because we had like the right idea at the right time, but also because like this industry has been ailing for so long, like that all of a sudden anybody, anybody who comes around that like is, is you can trust that's transparent, that has business goals that are of giant, uh, that are aligned with the objectives of their clients and who actually does what they say they're going to do. Like you shouldn't be able to win on all that stuff. That should be foundational. Right. But I guess, the, I guess if you're, if there's ever a time to say, I'm going to try a new way of doing it, it I might guess. as well be this year, right? When everything's going crazy and, and you're rethinking yeah. everything. Yeah. I mean, and also like, think about it, right? Like we've never met most of the people in our company face to face. Right. So, and they haven't met each other. So that's one thing. The other is that we've got like thousands of people who work at our clients' businesses who we have never met as well. And so every, all this growth, all the organic growth and all the commercial momentum has happened on Zoom. Like we've never been in the room with right. anybody. In a, in, in a business where, it's, where relationships are such a big deal or, such, or you know, getting a feel for how people work together and understanding how they, how they think yes. is historically so important. I also just think like it levels the playing field, right? So like we've all got to operate now inside of a rectangle. And you right. could see, you could see like very clearly, I don't have a filter on. You could see my face. Like, I guess you can't see like what's going on around me, but like, I can't really hide anything here. Um, so slick right now. it's a magnifying glass that we're looking yeah. through and it's like, we can really see the truth much more clearly. And we love that. Like that's, that plays to our strengths. All right. Let's, let's talk about, I want to come back to, to your experience with managing all these people during this crazy time, but let's talk about the industry a little bit now, if we could, it's, I, I feel like on this podcast, you've, you've heard, you've heard me say it a lot. And, and we, and I feel like it's everything I read and write about for the past year is, you know, everything accelerated in terms of like everything was going e-commerce and streaming, everyone's getting everything delivered and what brands mean change and media habits are totally, um, upended overnight. Now, now all of a sudden we're in this time where 
people are going to the movies, they're going to concerts, they're going out. Like it feels really different all of a sudden. There's a lot of optimism. What is going on? Or do you think we're going to, to snap back to the way things were in a lot of respects in our industry? Are things changing? Or, like, like we talked about the new normal for so long. Is it sticking? Like where, where, are, where are your clients right now? Where, how, what does it feel like out there? I think if you're coming to us, you, you're, you already kind of know that you're not going back to the old way, right? If you're coming to us, you've, you've identified that like our operating system works. Um, you've seen it work. You just, you want to understand it a little bit better and then, and then you're ready to like hold our hand and go. Unfortunately, like it's taking some, like there are some brands and businesses that are going to go back to the way they did it before. Right. And like, we don't want any part of that. Right. It's just not as not our game. It's exciting because like just the commercial momentum we're seeing alone at known is proof that the next generation of CMOs are just not going to make the same mistakes. And, and they're finding a better way of being more effective, more efficient, more ethical, um, and, and perform better to grow their businesses. And it's just, there's like a level of sophistication that I'm seeing in, in this next generation of CMOs that like just wasn't there before. But do you, are you scratching your head? I, I'm scratching my head at some of the stuff I'm reading about all of a sudden, maybe it's just cause the upfront's going on right now. And it feels like brands are going right back to what the way they used to do things, which is kind of crazy yeah. considering all the media habits of everyone's changed. Are you, do you scratch your head at some of that? I mean, I'm, I'm scratching my head that there's not more coverage of those who are not falling back into yeah. those ways, right? So like, yeah, it's taking some of the big beasts a little bit longer because they're just so monolithic. They're to turn the ship, they'll get there. Um, they're, they're like some journalists are starting to cover like how meaningful these changes are. But you know what's interesting, and you cover this like all the time on the podcast. You were just talking about it with, with Aaron, with, you know, with others about how like the systems themselves are changing. You may not want you may want to hold on to the way it was, but right. the whole world's about to pass you by when you can't rely on lazy tactics around cookies and targeting and retargeting and following like a troll consumers all around the internet trying to smack them with like, like you're a sniper. Like right. nobody, nobody likes that. That's not good for anybody. And so when Facebook or, you know, like begins to, enforce privacy like when apple makes the changes that they've made and and lots of marketers get like really really scared and lots of agencies who've built their entire model on that lazy way of marketing like of course they're shaking like they're freaking out we just we we don't we never tried to do that that's never been the way that we believe you should do marketing when marketers come I, I, do your partners come to you i, I imagine the last couple of years the last six months or so okay, what do we do about this cookies thing? What do we do about this Apple thing with IDFA? I, I'm really concerned about what, I thought digital marketing was gonna be one thing and I'm gonna track everything I can and now it's changing. Do you, do you, are you that tough on them? Like guys, no one liked it the way it was anyway and you gotta get, get serious? I mean, Tough on the clients? I, I mean, yeah. we're, no, we're excited about it. I mean, this is an opportunity for them to stop like giving away agency and beginning to take agency, right? This is an opportunity to, take more control of your advertising intelligence. It's like if before you were like really happy and comfortable to allow your agency to like operate on your behalf in a black box, like this is a chance for you to go like, nah, not anymore. Like now I need to understand this stuff better. I already kind of do as a marketer or CMO. And like, 
I'm gonna and I'm going to put in place a true test and learn framework where I can like really see what's working and what's not working on all platforms um, for my business. And as those marketers take greater agency, take greater control, they're able to understand more and more about what is working and what is not. So that's interesting because I think there is a there is a fear that they're going to be where this all these changes mean you're going to understand less or you're going to have to compromise and go with like old, you know, targeting out of the past because you're not gonna be able to be, be precise like we all dreamed of. You're not you're not seeing that. Like, like as a data science company that you're not like, oh, my God, I can't do what we promised anymore because we lost cookies and IDFA and whatever. Yeah, no, not at all. Not even a little bit. This is an amazing moment for us to actually begin to regain the trust of consumers who before just thought we were all trying to follow them around and like force them to like look at ads like that we think are relevant to them. Right. Right. And it's so like the value exchange is so effed up between brands and consumers. Like think about it, Mike, every time you're asked to enter your personal information into a website, which is probably two to five times a day, right? You feel like crap about it. It never feels good. You're always worried, like, what are they going to do? Like, eh, should I? Okay, fine. Like, if, if anything. Correct. And it's like, do you want to sign in or do you want to be a guest? And it's like, uh, what, what, why do I have to give you information right now? What am I getting out of that? And you right. never, ever know what you're getting out of that. Right. Because what you're getting out of that is like some vague promise that your rights and your like information will not be sold or like pirated or hacked into. And it's just like, that's so busted. And it's so busted between like between brands and consumers, but it's also like it speaks volumes about the mistrust between agencies and clients too. And so like we just don't believe in in, in any of that going forward. Like it should never ever be like that for anybody. And so like let's just break apart the two words you use, like data and science. Like, yes, you need to have a robust first party data like strategy. And yes, you need to use third party data to allow you to like act on advanced segmentation, right? And be able to reach the people you want to reach and make assumptions and guesses and predictions and then permutations of your campaign. But none of that works without science. So it's right. like, let like forget for a second about all the data because we all have a lot of data and now move into like what it means to use science effectively. And I don't mean like somebody who's like, pretty good at math and just graduated and like can do Python and like is good at Excel and they're going to run my, my data science platform. That's not what we're talking about. Right. Like real science. That's what we mean. And so as you talk about like what's next in marketing science, not even just data science, just science. On, on that note, let's talk about this. Cause you guys, are, you and some, and some of your colleagues were really early on trying to bring science to television advertising, even before the CTV was a big thing. And we were trying to do this cross platform thing. That seems to be, that's a, that's an area where everyone's excited about trying to do that. But I think what you're saying, they're mostly just using data to do a little more targeting that. I don't know how scientific it is. I think they're mostly just using words. They know they're supposed to use. Right. You're a journalist, right? Like if I'll tell you, I'm not going to name which editors I've been talking to you about this, but like some big ones that like run the trades. I've been like, do a Coke and Pepsi test on data science. Mm -hmm. Line everybody up, give them all the same information and the same challenge and see who wins. Right. And let's see who can do this. Unfortunately for us, our biggest challenge is finding talent that can do it. Like 
we mostly in our science practice, um, which is filled with about three dozen PhDs, most of them don't come from this industry. Right. So they don't have, there's not a natural path that you can just recruit from, or you have to pull them out of other, other fields or just convince them this is a thing. Like what, what's, what's, what's the hard part about that? I know this is going to sound like I'm trying to like say fancy words. Cause you know that I'm not that smart, but like, mm-hmm. it's like, we're pulling people out of like careers in academia who are studying like particle physics, advanced mathematics. These are people who are coming from like neuroscience, like who just are like brilliant, scientists who right but ad tech is not in their mind every day for the the most part yeah but like think about what happens if you are spending your career in an academic lab which to many people is very exciting um maybe not to me but then you then you but then you take what you are amazing at like you're one of the best in the world at what you do and we say like like here's a bunch of brands that like are exciting to you right like let's try to win and like you have the best technology in the world at your fingertips. You have the best artists and creators on, on the, on the other side of you. And, and now you're in like a, you're, you're in an inside an Ironman suit, um, which is our operating system. Right. And there's shit you can do as a marketer that like you just never could have done before. And you've heard people talk about this, but you've never been able to really do it. And now, that's exactly what our clients are starting to experience, where they they come to Known, they get into the Iron Man suit, which is our operating system, which we call Skeptic, and I'm happy to talk about it. And all of a sudden, you're seeing that like you've got some powers, like and you can use them, and you've got a lot of information. So you're learning minute by minute what's working, and you're learning what's also not working, and you're able to like make really big time important decisions, but based on information that you're getting back in real time, like, and you're able to see the impact that's having on your business. That's, that's what we're talking about. So is there a good example of, of a brand that's done this over the last year with you guys or one that's leaning into it right now that it, where they've seen like a real change in strategy or whether, where they're, where they're spending dollars because of what they're learning through skeptic or what you guys are, what you're talking about? Yeah. Too many to count. Um, and like, I think people saw, you know, firsthand what, what Gnome was able to do. And it was kind of a surprise, I guess, like, cause people didn't know us yet, but you know, like in the middle of the pandemic, we got the call from TikTok and it was like, we're, you know, that was a business that's like the, on the one hand, the fastest growing social media network of all time. Right. And on the other hand, facing existential threats from governments and regulators from like, can we, are they going to be able to operate in, the, in X country or not? Like thing, crazy things like that. Yeah. And then, and then, competitors, right. Who were launching like, you know, similar products and, and mm-hmm. like trying to come, come at them directly. And, you know, we, we, we created their belief system and we worked with them. They, they used the full operating system of known to do what they did with us. And we launched their first ever and obviously biggest global brand campaign. It starts on TikTok, which continues to this day. Um, but, but then together with them, and I, I really applaud Nick Tran because he's a transformational marketer and he's the kind of marketer that you and I were talking about before in terms of like a new breed who, you know, he basically, he knows that like TikTok moves so much faster than any other media. So if you're going to do marketing at TikTok, you got to find a way to like optimize everything else. So it moves faster, like, so it can keep up with you. Right. And so the way that we were able to work together, known and TikTok to use, 
you know, primetime national television as if it were a digital platform mm -hmm. and be able to like iterate, iterate, iterate. That was, that was pretty, pretty powerful. I don't think anyone had ever seen that kind of creative optimization um, that fast on national television for that big of a brand just ever. Yeah, I think people assume that, that everyone wants TV to get there where you can theoretically optimize and move stuff around left and right and and have a thousand different ads running. But it seems very challenging in the, in the infrastructure that's there. Do we sell TV shorter? Is there a long way to go before they can really it can, it can really operate that way? I, so this is funny because you've covered this industry for a long time, but like not to take a shot at like old, old legacy agencies, but like they're just not incentivized to use the more sophisticated tools of linear television. Like there's just, they're just not bought in. Um, that's not the way they do business. Um, and so like, you know, most of them are not doing what they could on their client's behalf on, on like quote old school platforms like TV. And um, I don't know, like some clients are starting to realize that others not yet. Um, it's, it's a problem for, media companies like who are who are trying to like pull old agencies forward um educate them on what is now possible right and it's even true for you know like some of our our other social media clients who we also buy media on right like so google is a client like facebook is a client um we buy media on both of them like obviously all the time on behalf of our other clients and like the tools that if you know how to play the game on Facebook and you know how to play it on Google, like they've created some just super sophisticated ways for you to bring brands, brand clients to life in their ecosystems and actually just like, and win. And they want you to, but right. other agencies, I don't know why are just taking a long time to catch up to what is already available for marketers. I want to ask you before I, I forget. It, you know, you're you're you may, you mentioned at the top you're an ex Viacom guy. You spent a long time there. You have a you have a I'm sure a connection to that world. What do you make of Merger Mania right now? Where it's going to net out? Like it, it's got to be. I'm sure you have people that you're in your life talking about. Where are we, are we all going to be one company? What's going to happen? To everybody like what, what do you make of that war, the, the streaming battle, and where it's headed with Discovery Warner Media? Who, what's next? Well, I think it's for so if. If I'm a journalist, this is like the best time ever, right? To be covering this industry. Yep. It's so fun. There's so dramatic. No, it's so dramatic. Like, and um, and I love it just like you do. Uh what I think is like super cool about this moment in media is that like there's more and more incredible content being generated. Um, and so like it's just the best time if you if you're a viewer, like this is a this is another golden age. It's still like I, I hate to use that metaphor, but, um, and yeah, like a bunch of stuff needs to get worked out on these pricing models. And like, you can listen to my friend, Rich Greenfield, talk about that all the time. And, and, yep. and he's super smart on it. Like what I would say is I think like what people are, are maybe not prepared for is the impact of, um, foreign companies on us media. I, I just don't think that's been really contemplated, certainly not by consumers. Um, what are you know, thinking about there? Well, without being specific, there's just like, we have, we have clients in China, we have clients in India, mm -hmm. like they're, they're, they're super successful businesses and like everybody's got their eye on the U S market. And so like when and who and how, 
um, they and others will like enter this market in a big way. Yeah. And I, I remember like, you know, back when I was at Biocom, the whole conversation was around, you know, which Chinese company was going to buy Paramount. Right. And, right. And, and that deal didn't happen. And for lots of reasons, but like that's, that was a real wake up call for me. Right. Cause it was, it was a component as a, like at the time, like a very U S thinking marketer, like sure. you get like, you get pretty provincial pretty quick in this industry. And like, you stop thinking about like the need to, you know, expand your thinking and like, like challenge yourself. Right. We're the center I, of the universe. What, why would I even think yeah. about that stuff? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And like what works in the U S is going to work everywhere. No fucking way. Like, and so we've seen breakthroughs in technology and creative and science all over the world that like no one is playing in all of that right now. And, um, that's exciting. And so when I see, when I see like what's happening in China and in India, um, let's, let's wait and see, but it's, it's, it's happening as we speak. It just hasn't like reached consumers yet. Right. We tend to think of that conversation in just, in just the chairs we know here, but that, that, that is actually fascinating right. to think about. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's wrap it up on this. The let's, you're talking about global media. What about beyond this world? I'm and I'm doing this really, <laughs> clever, really clever transition to talk about space because you have some connection. Apparently you're going to space with Richard, with, with, um, with, with Richard. T tell us, tell us the story what's going on. Well, so like, um, we, we have a, a client where the agency of record for a um, payments processing company, which is a lot sexier than it sounds, um, called Shift for Payments. It's a publicly traded company. And um, we were doing some work for them. It was actually our very first like full day immersion with them. And we were in with the CEO, Jared Isaacman, who started the business. He's one of the youngest billionaires, certainly self-made billionaires um, in America. Um, amazing guy. Like he, he, you would never even know, but like, he he ends the four or five hour meeting um, and he asks me if I would just sort of stay behind for a minute. And I'm like, all right. Uh -huh. It's like, haven't we been talking for five hours already? Like, what do uh -huh. I have to do? I'm like, I think I've earned my 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 paycheck today. And everyone else kind of like walks out and he's like, listen, um, do you know about like Elon Musk and SpaceX? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, we all do, right? As much and, as the next guy, right? Like. And this was in this was in December, Mike. So this was in December 2020. And I was like, yeah, like I gotta go home, man. Like it's getting late. It's like getting dark <laughs> early. Anyway, and he's like, Well, do you know that like next year they're gonna be sending up the first all civilian mission to outer space? And I was like, I kinda heard about that, I think. But I hear a lot of space stuff, so I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, Well, no, it's like really happening. They're gonna send four people up to outer space with no astronauts. And I'm like, Oh, that's crazy. And he's like, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going. And I'm like, what? Wow. He's like, yeah, I got all four seats and I'm sponsoring the, the mission. I'm going to be the captain of the mission. And I'm like, what? And like, <laughs> you, can't, like, you can't believe that. So I was just being a wise ass. And I said, like, well, let me just check my calendar. So I see like, what, what's the date? So if you want me to go, like, I'm ready, like I, I'll do it. And he's like, no idiot. Like I, I'm not asking you to go, go right, to right. I'm, not you, <laughs> I'm not giving you one of the seats, bro. And I'm like, oh, okay. This isn't so Nick's like, tickets. Like, I'm not like, hey, you, you, let's do something. <laughs> exactly. Uh, in my case, the Nets, but whatever. Right. And whatever. so he was like, no, I just want you to like help me conceive the mission. And I want to use known to like conceive, like get this actually, you know, pun intended off the ground. So, <laughs> so like we, we began to work on that. And um, Jared's freaking extraordinary. Like what we're seeing now with like, Branson and Bezos and like the whole like billionaire race to space is 
I guess, depending on who you are, it's either sad or funny or I don't know what you would call it, but like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Like everybody wants to be the first non-astronauts up there. But this fall, the first all civilian mission to outer space is Jared Isaacman and the crew of Inspiration4. And so we helped him choose the other three that would go. And because Jared is a visionary, um, he believes that like going up to outer space, like the fact that we can do that, we should also be able to solve some of the problems right here on our planet. And so he has committed to a fundraise of $200 million for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, because his idea is like, if we can go to space, we can end cancer for kids. And this will be the largest donation in the the history of St. Jude, like largest single person donation. So he's raising this. Um, We're well on our way towards $200 million right now. And it's introduced like this whole topic of like, what is an agency like ours doing in this? Like, are we the first space agency? Like, and what does that mean? Like, are we, (laughs) are we supposed to represent other brands as they go to space? Cause like, you know, Jared's, God also has a commercial interest in this, like shift for payments and shift for shop um, are part of the launch. Those are the companies that are his companies. They're sponsoring this mission. And like they're they're already winning because of the attention that they're getting as brands. So it's like, OK, well, how are how are brands going to play in space? Like you and I know because you've been covering this industry for a long time that like you'll have like an insurance company do an ad in the Super Bowl and it's like people on a space buggy on the moon. Right. And it's like, well, that's basically because we can't get to the moon. We have to like fabricate these stories and make them into commercials. Well, guess what? Like we're going to the moon. Like as Elon says, like we're going to become an interplanetary species. So like this is happening. And the question is how are brands going to play in the new intergalactic advertising ecosystem and that's what we're working on as we speak so some agencies are early on mobile or voice and you're you're early on lunar galaxy like you're, like you're, you're galaxy yeah yeah um cosmos that's that's amazing um well let's let's i don't know how we could top that topic so let, let's wrap it up on that but russ thank you so much for your time awesome conversation and thanks for being game for just about everything thanks for your podcast thanks for pushing this industry forward the way you are mike and um it's a pleasure to be with you Be well, buddy. Thank you. A big thanks to my guest this week, Ross Martin, president of Known, and of course, my partners at AppsFlyer. If you like this episode, please take a moment to rate and leave a review. We have lots more to bring you, so be sure and hit the subscribe button. We'll see you next time for more on what's next in marketing.